Exodus 1, 8 through 22. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and, if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah and the other Puah, when you, see, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Jim Hamilton and I are reading through the Exodus narrative over the next few weeks. This is a really interesting passage. There's a lot going on here. We, we learn a little bit more um, about how the people of Israel or the Hebrew people got into this condition of being a slave. The, the people that Moses, of course, we are going to get to, he eventually led out of Egypt. He eventually delivered, if you will. I think it's wrong to maybe believe, I think sometimes I've heard this talked about as if they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. It seems that maybe for a time they weren't slaves. Mm -hmm. They were just living, you know, as a kind of a foreign people in the land of Egypt and maybe were well taken care of. But then eventually Joseph was forgotten about mm -hmm. and this slavery incurred. Yet even through the slavery, um, God blessed them and mm -hmm. they continued to increase. So let's talk about that section. And then I want to talk about these midwives here also. But uh, yeah, any thoughts on kind of that first section? Yeah, you know, it, it's fascinating. At the end of verse 10, the Pharaoh is, or, or um, yeah, Pharaoh is talking to his people, and he says at the end of verse 10, if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. And so he's fearing exactly what's going to happen. They're, they're going to escape from the land. And that phrase, escape from, go up from the land, literally in Hebrew, Hebrew is going to be picked up by the prophet Hosea. And, and what's happening in the book of Exodus is the Lord is doing this foundational work of salvation. This is, the, this is really the first and most significant way in which God will save his whole people at the Exodus from Egypt. And it becomes paradigmatic and it becomes schematic. So paradigmatic in that it's, it's kind of like a pattern for the way that God is saving right. his people. Schematic in that 
when they think about how God saves them, they think about it in these terms, according to this schema. And the prophet Hosea will use this exact phrase in Hosea 1, 11, to talk about the future exodus that God is going to accomplish for his people. And so for people who know the, the story of the exodus, when Hosea uses this phrase, it reminds us of Pharaoh's fears and it reminds us of the way that God saved his people at the Exodus. So that if you're reading Hosea, you know, okay, Hosea is saying that as God saved his people at the Exodus, so he's going to save us now in the future. So are you saying that it's useful for Christians to read the Old Testament Absolutely. in order to understand Absolutely. the deliverance that we have even received from God? No doubt. I mean, in the New Testament, you know, at the, at the Transfiguration account, um, Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus. And in the Gospel of Luke, um, I think I think the ESV renders it, they're talking about his departure. But there's a footnote, and in the lower margin it says his exodus. Yeah. That's what it says. Yeah. He's going to accomplish an exodus in Jerusalem. And all the imagery used with reference to the salvation that Jesus accomplished, you know, he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's so that so he's the lamb slain at the Exodus. And then um uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, that Christ, our Passover, alluding to the Passover at which the Exodus took place, uh, Christ, our Passover, has been slain. So these categories are really informing the way the New Testament authors are talking about salvation in Christ. And, and we're going to have more of a chance to talk about that as we get into some of those passages in, in days to come. Let's talk about these midwives a little bit. It's mm. kind of an interesting story. Yes. Um, they fear the Lord. God blesses them. Um they, you could say they maybe um, hide some things or I don't know, I don't know how you would, you would categorize how they're dealing with Pharaoh. Um, so, yeah, I mean. So the first and most important thing I think to see is that they are obeying God, not man. Right. And so Pharaoh's, you know, the Lord has said in Genesis one twenty eight, be fruitful and multiply. And the Pharaoh's command is running directly counter to that. Mm. Kill the, kill the male children. Right. And, and even he, to, to add to that, the word in Genesis 3.15 is that the seed of the woman, uh, the Lord says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he, the masculine singular seed right. of the woman, will bruise your head. So the attack on the male children by the Pharaoh who has a serpent on his turban, yeah. it, it's as though the conflict between the seed of the serpent and the the seed of the woman is coming to fruition. And these Hebrew midwives are saying, look, God said to be fruitful and multiply. It's not the Pharaoh's responsibility. He doesn't have the authority to say, kill these children. And in fact, um, to kill these children would be directly counter to God's purpose for us to be fruitful and multiply. So we're going to obey God rather than men. They're fearing God and they're not fearing Pharaoh. And so they are hiding right. and, and they are, you know, they're being... It's interesting how sometimes faithfulness to God requires enmity with the world. Yeah, and and Jesus said, if or is it Jesus or James? I forget. One of them said, I think it's James. James says, "Do you not know that friendship with right. the world is enmity with God?" Mm -hmm. And so, for the midwives to obey Pharaoh would be for them to disobey God. Yeah, and and so what they're doing is they're being faithful to the Lord, even if it entails. Um, deceiving Pharaoh, right, and and deceiving Pharaoh means being honest Faithful with God, to the Lord. Yeah. yeah, and this is also an interesting passage. Um, and again, we're going to talk about this more tomorrow. But the same kind of imagery or just narrative that we see here is the exact same kind of narrative in how the deliverance of 
our, of our deliverance began mm-hmm. when another baby was yes. coming, another male child was coming into the world right. that would save us. And, a, and another Pharaoh-type figure, Herod, is mm-hmm. trying to kill that male child at his birth. All right, well, let's save some of that. Sure. We can talk about it tomorrow. Sure. But for Jim Hamilton, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404 465 1737 or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.